0: And to start now, heroes of our faith. We're moving to a new person, but the person we're going to talk about today may not be seen initially as a hero of faith. It's somebody who, when I heard the name, I I didn't really think of this man and remember him for his righteousness, for his holiness, or his great faith. But the man we're talking about today is one which I think we can see is a lot like us as we get into him, you might understand a little bit. But you see, this hero may not seem like a hero at all until we get to the end. He was a man of God, and God used him to do great things. But when we think of a man like Elijah, who we studied, or Abraham, who we studied, who from the very beginning were praying with God and doing everything God told him to do, this man often was kind of living the opposite type of life. So who do we find here? in judges chapter 13 we find samson now maybe some of you are already thinking well yeah he's a hero of our faith i know exactly man that guy was a warrior that guy was a fighter and that's true and i wanted to think that at first too but then the more and more i got into it i saw some different things so why this intro why samson why not a hero of faith why was he not a great man of god or at least initially when you first look at him or at least maybe not your typical hero of faith that we've been talking to about not your typical hero of faith but who are we to judge i thought it was kind of be funny being funny with that i'll be honest who are we to judge the story of samson because anybody that knows where we're at we are in the book of judges and samson was a judge now being one of god's judges a judge of the bible does not mean that he was a judge in a city, a county, a state, or on a national level, but a judge on a godly level. Despite the fact that Samson was a judge, though, he indeed is also a hero of our faith. But we don't first see this. Why? Well, number one, I think when you think of Samson in his life, I think the number one thing you think of is his great strengths. Obviously, right? You think of his great strengths. But great strength doesn't initially just mean he's a hero of faith. You don't really see that he's even a man of God at, at that. You just see, oh, wow, that was a really strong man. I remember the story of Samson. Number two, you might think of his many great failures. Selfishness. Mostly on relation to a couple women that he was going after. Starting with marrying a Philistine, a Philistine woman. And then Delilah. He continued to go after his own selfish desires. Samson and Delilah, the other Philistine woman, getting honey out of an unclean dead animal carcass, getting revenge after thousands of people. That brings us to number three. I think there's three big things you think of with Samson. And maybe you all think of something different. But when I started thinking of Samson, I thought, why is Samson a hero of our faith? Let's think about this a little bit. I thought, well, he was strong. He had many great failures, remember those. And then number three, great massacre. Uh, Samson murdered, he killed thousands of men. Him alone, no tanks, no guns, no weapons. I mean, all he had was a jawbone and his own bare hands and his strengths. But again, as I thought through this, as I thought through the life of Samson... I kept coming back to this, well, this doesn't say anything to prove to you about why we're studying Samson as a hero of our faith. Why we're studying Samson as a hero at all. I mean, Samson was a womanizer. Samson was a bully. But what shows that he was a hero of our faith? He was arrogant, impulsive, self-centered, hot-tempered. Sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? The more we get into Samson, I think we see that. Samson is said to be a hero of our faith. But he's also a lot like us in some of his characteristics. But despite all of Samson's failures, all of Samson's problems, we read this in Hebrews 11. 11.32 And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Bar- Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to fight. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read of the, the hall of faith. Let me read to you just a little bit more. What you find in Hebrews chapter 11 with this hall of faith is this. Hebrews 11 verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And we read on, we continue to see all these different men and women of God who are recognized for the great faith they have. For by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. Moving forward, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea. By faith, by faith, by faith. If you're to read this, you continue to read more and more about these great faithful men. But all of these faithful men are are characterized by great acts of faith that they did. As we read about Abraham, about Elijah, about Ruth, about Esther. There's obvious things. But we see this. Samson's not left out. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith so now it's, it's obvious, Samson was a man of faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, and became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Why Samson? I think there's a lot here that we can look into, but why Samson? What we can see is the life of Samson. Let's talk just a little summary about who was Samson. Samson was a judge who led and rescued the people of Israel from Philistine oppression. A Nazarite from birth, Samson was blessed with great strength by the Spirit of God, which he would use to fight the Philistines who were occupying the land of Israel. Now we know all this. We know he fought many of the Philistines. He killed many of the Philistines. But I think what we're getting at as we read it is we don't see that he's doing it for God. We don't see that he's saying, God, by your might, by your strength, and by what you're telling me to do, I'm going to go do this for you. Instead, we see that he's selfishly motivated a lot. Samson led the people. He was betrayed by his wife and Delilah and captured by the Philistines, blinded and mocked by his captors. Samson's life ended... When he knocked down the pillars supporting the building he had been taken to. Killing himself and thousands of Philistines. It's undeniable that Samson did a lot of good. But still I come back to this question. Why Samson? Or why did Samson continue to act how he did? I mean he's he's strengthened to do so much. Let's go back to the very beginning here. Judges chapter 13. You can follow along with me at the beginning. Samson was a man who knew what he wanted, and he demanded they received it, even when he shouldn't have it. And he knew it would go against his vow. Judges 13 says this, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. So here it's setting up where we're at. The Israelites, again, God's people are again under oppression of the Philistines. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. The angel of the Lord appeared to Samson's mother, and he told her some great news. Though you've been barren, though you've had no children, you will have a child. That's great news alone. But then the angel says, this is going to be a special child. You'll bring him up in the Nazarite vow, and it goes on to say... This child you're going to have is going to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So we already know before Samson's even born that this man is destined for a great future of serving God. The Nazarite vow, though, let's look at that. Nazarite vow is first, to abstain from wine. Second, he was never to cut his hair. And I kind of looked into that a little bit. Why never cut your hair? What would that, I mean, why would that be hard for somebody? First, some commentators I read into that, because nowadays we got all sorts of men with long hair and with man buns and everything else. But but back then, it was actually considered very disgraceful for a man to have long hair. But number two, a man to have long hair was generally known to be a Nazarite, known that he had dedicated his life to God. Now, think about your own lives. If you walked around with a giant shirt on every day, everywhere you go, or a big hat, a big billboard, maybe you think of those people that riot or or standing on the side of the road saying store closing, they have this big sign. What if you wore that big sign everywhere you go saying, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and you should be too. Everywhere you go, there's going to be some people that pull over to you, throw stuff at you, yell at you. Well, this was the vow of a Nazarite. Everything they did, everything they looked like, people should look at them and know that they were of God. So it wasn't easy to wear the, the hair long, but this was the vow of Nazarite. Lastly, a Nazarite was not to come in contact with a dead body. Now, I'm trying to set this up for you because I want you to see as we go on what Samson was supposed to be doing compared to what he did do. And again, that whole question of why Samson? This was a very serious dedication, and many men would make this dedication once they were old enough to make this choice. Kind of like we talked about with baptism. And with even accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior and trusting in Him. We make this choice, when we really know what we're doing. But Samson, we're told it was done in the womb. Samson didn't get to make this choice on his own. God made it for him. But we also know that God's ways are the best ways for us to live. We too would benefit if we would go back to certain Nazarite ways. I'm not talking about as Nazarite ways you need to stay away from dead things. You need to grow your hair out long. Some of us men would have a hard time growing our hair out long, right? Or I'm not saying that we shouldn't drink wine or beer at all and we should restrict ourselves there. It might be good for some of us to do that. But what I'm saying is we should make it known to people around us That we are believers in God and Jesus Christ and we trust in him. That would be a good thing. Also, as we follow God's ways, it would be a good thing. But as people saw Samson, they would know exactly who he was, who he worshipped, and how he lived. But moving on, I think it's important that we see that Samson's story has a lot of details. It covers over 20 years. In fact, it actually covers approximately 40 years because as we start this, we see Samson going into Timnah, into a neighboring city around Gaza, and he would go looking for a woman. He didn't just wake up one day and decide, I'm going to go and, and uh, go against all my vows. He didn't just wake up one day and think, man, I'm going to disobey every command God gave me. It started one step at a time as he walked into Timnah. Judges 14, 1 3, we read this. Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. Again, why Samson? We see this very strong statement of why Samson goes there. Samson comes home, and Samson tells his mother and father, Hey, I found this woman. She's right in my eyes. Go get her for me. Do you talk to your mom and dad like that? (laughs) Things were a lot different back then, weren't they? But Samson goes for a walk, a long walk, and he comes back with this great news for his dad. Dad, I found a wife. I want you to go fetch her for me. Go get her for me. But there's a lot of problems with this. You see, the Philistines may not have been specifically on the list of people for God's people to avoid and not to marry, But still, we see these people that Samson needs to stay away from marrying. Not only are they not part of God's people, but these people are pagan-worshipping people. They do not believe in the Lord as their God. And yet Samson is going to marry one of them. Here we have another example of how we should live our life. We too need to be sure to follow the commands God gives us. We shouldn't be dating or marrying people that do not trust in our God as Lord and Savior. Because it's going to separate us from our relationship with the God that we do worship. You may not think so at first, but every week it's going to be more and more of a struggle to make time for your God. Because you're trying to make time for this person that's in your life that doesn't worship your God. God's word specifically tells us, do not be unequally yoked. It may lead you astray. And yet, what does Samson do? Samson doesn't care. He does it anyways. Why Samson? Nothing will get better until we cry out to God. Nothing will get better until we start living according to the way God tells us to live. But Samson's not doing this. Samson goes out. He fetches a woman. He tells his dad to fetch this woman because she is right in my eyes. But let's look to verse number 4. It goes on. It says this. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord. For he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time the Philistines ruled over Israel. I see great strength in this for, for us all to see. You see, God is still going to use Samson. Despite his sin. Now, now, Samson will end up paying for these sins, for these choices that he's making throughout these three chapters. But we see that God's still going to use him. Verse 4. His father and mother did not know it. But this was from the Lord. Because he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines because at this time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. Again, we're to remember, Samson was a judge. He was called to a great duty to save God's people from this oppression, from, from the Philistines. How's God going to do this? Now, some people have actually read this verse to say that Samson did this on purpose. Samson went and found this specific Philistine woman because he knew that he was called to make a getaway in. Maybe God God told Samson to go into the Philistine land, find a woman who you can marry so you can get an end to start ruling over these people and, and getting rid of this oppression. I don't really believe that's the case, but I want to let you know some people do believe that. I think Samson had a weak will. I think Samson was a very strong man, but he was a man with a weak will. He saw a beautiful woman as he walked into town, and he went to his mother and father and said, Father, mother, I don't care if she's not of my people. I don't care if she doesn't worship my God. I want her. Go get her. And his mother and father pleaded with him, and yet he did not listen. God is in the business of giving strength to weak-willed people. And we see this over and over again, especially in the life of Samson, that God continues to give him strength. God will strengthen us too. But we must cry out to him. We must repent. We must cry out to God and say, God, I'm sorry for all I've done. Still, use me. I want to serve you. I'm sorry. Unfortunately, Samson's poor choices do not stop here. He goes on to throw a feast for his wedding. Now, one commentator I read talked about this feast. The root Greek word would indicate that it was a wedding feast which would include much wine. Remember one of those Nazarite vows of Samson? not to drink wine, not to cut your hair, not to go near anything unclean. We're already coming to this time where he's already, he's already gotten honey out of a lion's carcass that he killed with his bare hands, his strength. Now he's throwing a wedding feast around much wine, and he's doing some pretty crazy, crazy stupid stuff. He starts to make all these riddles and games with the Philistines. Scripture tells us that it was also filled with games, with riddles, with bets, which would lead to Samson murdering people. How many godly vows has he broke at this time? And it just leads to a rabbit hole of problems. It leads to one problem after another, and another, and another. This would lead to his first wife being handed off, and then ultimately murdered herself and let And him taking revenge and finding a new woman later, Delilah. But not before Samson took revenge by tying 300 foxes tails to tail and lighting them on fire to burn down the Philistines' farmland. Talk about a judge, but here's the thing. Samson, I don't think he even realizes what he's doing. I don't think he realizes his own own judgment that he's having on the Philistines. I think God's just using him. God's using Samson's own selfish problems, his hot-headedness, his temper, to be able to get down his will. Interesting enough, we can all be used for God. But we need to cry out to him and repent. Here's the problem we see of Samson. He never does that until later on. His actions are repaid with revenge himself, with more anger by the Philistines. The wife and her father are taken and killed. Anger and revenge are never really answered with kindness, are they? Again, that's another problem we have. We're like Samson. Why Samson? Samson's hot-headed. He's tempered. He's conceited. He's selfish. He's, considering, he's continuing to seek his own revenge and anger. And anger leads to more problems. Samson now goes and murders many of their people. And then he goes and waits in a cave for them to come after him. He's taunting them. Look at me. I'm going to kill all your people. And then you're going to come after me. And I'll be waiting for you. So he waits and then single-handedly, with God's strength, strikes down 1,000 of their men. You know, we love this part of the story. We love, and there's a new movie on Samson that came out on video a couple weeks ago. And you watch the trailer, you watch a preview, and it's all about like the fighting he did. And the men he took down, taking down a thousand men with a jawbone. But we can't stop here. We need to look at that next verse. verse chapter 15, verse 18. This is where it begins to get good. Samson, very thirsty from his battle, called upon the Lord for water. And God provided. Specifically, it says this. And as soon as he had finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone out of his hand. And that place was called Ramath Lahai. And he was very thirsty and he called upon the Lord and said, listen to this. I, I just find it so crazy how he talks to God. You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant. And shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? And God split open the hollow place that is at Lehi, and the water came out from it. And when he drank, his spirit returned, and he was revived. That doesn't sound very respectful to God. Now, I could be reading it wrong, but what I read is very cocky, very ignorant. I just did all of this. I just killed all these people, and I am your judge. I am, I am called to do your work. Are you really going to let me die? And yet again, we see that Samson is provided for. God takes care of him. Samson is very thirsty. He cries out to God, and God provides. Why does Samson continue to do such crazy, selfish things over and over again? His self-centered ignorance, his mockery of God, and we didn't even get to Delilah's story yet. Delilah begs Samson to tell her the secret of his strengths. And she keeps throwing him to the wolves, to the Philistines. You'd think he would learn, right? But no, he doesn't. He continues over and over again to give in to Delilah and play her game. And each time the Philistines come to take him away. Each time she fails, they fail until the final time. But God continues to strengthen Samson. Samson was weak-willed, but God strengthened him. God still had used him. God still had a purpose in using him. Judges 15-20. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines for 20 years. Despite all of Samson's problems, despite how he started off this ministry and maturing in the Lord, God continued to strengthen him. God continued to use him. Now, we don't know exactly what that 20 years looks like. But what we do know is what Hebrews tells us in chapter 11 if we flip back over there again Hebrews chapter 11 says of Samson who through faith conquered kingdoms and the others enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword and were made strong out of weakness God continued to use Samson Despite all of his problems, God never gave up on him. And here's what I think I see here. God used him for 20 years after this. And then he comes into Delilah, and we get to that story. But I think that we see this drastic turn in the story here. Because I think after Samson had done all of this, he turns back to God. God provides for him. And it doesn't tell us this. It doesn't. I'm I'm reading into it. But what I think is that God... Speaks to Samson. Samson hears God. Samson sees, wow, God, you continue to provide for me. You gave me water. I'm going to serve you with my life. So 20 years he gets his life straight. Maybe he still had problems. We don't know. But what we do see is he judged and served God for 20 years. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines for 20 years. Years. It doesn't go on to tell us the problems. It goes on to say that he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines for 20 years. This is exactly what God wanted him to do. You will judge Israel. You will judge the oppression. You will do my work. From his very beginning in the womb, he was destined to do this. God used him. But it was only after he cried out. Only after he repented. God is always there to listen to your plea for help. God was there to listen to Samson. This is what I think is so great about the story of Samson. Despite all of his problems, despite how much he ran from God, or he ran to do his own things, I should say, God still listened to Samson, and God still provided for him. But we need to repent. God is waiting for you to repent and turn back to him so that he can strengthen you for his greater purpose. Samson was chosen before he was born. His calling was obviously nothing which he had earned Yet he was given great strength to do God's will. And over and over again we see, And the strength of the Spirit came upon Samson. God did not need to allow his strength to come upon Samson if God did not want that to be done. But Samson was still doing what God wanted him to do. God used it. Samson was lost in Delilah's beauty next. Twenty years goes by... He comes walking into a town, and he says, Ah, I'm going to go meet a woman. Now, maybe that wasn't his initial thought, but that's what he ended up doing. For 20 years, God used Samson as his judge. And I'm sure that all of the Philistines just despised him now. They hated him, and they're looking for any way to bring him down. We're like Samson. We're weak-willed individuals, arrogant people who think of ourselves. But it doesn't generally take an army to bring us down. In fact, a lot of times we see an army coming at us, or we see this big challenge coming to us, and we get motivated. Maybe you don't. Everybody gets struggles in their own way. But to me, I see this big challenge, and I get motivated. I start preparing for it. Whereas if you, I think what really brings us down is those little choices day by day, standing true to what God says, standing true to what you know what's right. What brings us down is each and every single day those little choices saying, no, this isn't a problem, this, this is just a little white lie. This is just a little problem, this, this isn't a big thing. But that's what brings us down, and that's what brought Samson down. But God still used Samson, and God may still use you. But we must be true to what we're doing. We must plea, cry out to God, and ask for forgiveness. The story of Samson is a great reminder to all of us. That God created each of us with a purpose to fulfill. God's purpose is going to be fulfilled. No matter what we think we're doing, no matter what we think we're capable of, he's either going to use you or he's going to use someone else. Because God's purpose will be fulfilled. Samson has been blessed by God with godly strength. We too are blessed with many gifts of the Spirit. But do we use them? Do we acknowledge them? I don't think we do. I think we, we seem to forget about it. We see these little, cha- these little challenges come our way, these little struggles, and we choose to allow them to conquer us and rule over us instead of using the strengths God gave us. God gave Samson strengths and he used it. When we start to live according to God's purposes, his calling and will, along with his ways, you'll find power to do things that you could never have done on your own. His Spirit will come upon you and enable you to do great things. But Samson missed a few steps because he continued to do things out of his own self-centeredness and arrogance. God's will was still done through it. But again, despite all of Samson's failures, God used them, and God, Samson cried out to him. We need to cry out to God. When was the last time you really just cried out to God? I mean, even today as we took communion We prayed to God, and we did this in remembrance of Him, but when was the last time you really just cried out to God? You just said, God, strengthen me. I need your help, please, today. Every day I'm sacrificing my own beliefs for the little choices. I, I need you. I need your help. I need your strength. I need to be reminded of this kindness, this love. Help me today. Cry out to Him. Don't allow Satan to affect your weak will into thinking that you're not good enough to serve God. Because we already know that. We already know that we're undeserving. We don't deserve God's, God's strengths. But he gives it to us anyways because he doesn't see us. He sees Jesus in us. Here's some questions for you. What might someone say is your greatest area of strength? If Satan were going to take you out today, what's this the one weakness he could easily exploit? What's one step you'll take today that will help you turn away from any sin in your life and step towards God? And who will hold you accountable? Who will hold you accountable? You see, we we have great intentions each and every single day, but we often fail with those little choices, those little battles, because we don't have somebody that's actually calling us one day or another. Or we're meeting with coffee once a week and saying, Hey, last week you told me you were going to do this. How are you doing? We need to cry out to him today. In the end, we see Samson bound to entertain the Philistines. 3,000 men and women watching him. This could have been much more, too, if you count outside the building, if you count the children, if you count above the roof. They were celebrating their victory over Samson. He is put on display with his eyes gouged or burned out. Judges 16, verse 26, where you start reading this. Let me read this to you. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me fill the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. On the roof there were 3,000. There could have been many more. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, Please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested. And he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his lifetime. You know, I started this message, I started it wanting to think, let's, let's get to this major point at the end that despite all Samson did wrong in his life, all the selfish things he went after, the Philistine woman going into Delilah and into, into her household... I thought we can at least end with this. In the very end, Samson cried out to God and he said, God, give me my strength for one last time so that I might do your will, so I might have revenge on these people, judge these people for you. But listen to that statement. It says, give me my strength once more so I might have revenge for my eyes. But you know what? He pleaded out to God, he cried out to God, And God gave him his strength back because he was still judging the people. He was doing God's work. Here's what I think. We have a God of grace, a God of mercy. He's waiting for us to cry out to him. Why is Samson listed in Hebrews 11's Hall of Faith? Why is Samson a hero of our faith at all? Because in spite of his failures, he continued to look to God to fulfill God's purposes... In faith. He continued to judge a nation. And despite his own failures, God still used him. And this is what I want to challenge you guys with today. You may may feel bound up by the consequences of your own bad choices and sin. You may feel bound up today, just like Samson was in the end, because you have been pursuing your own way instead of God's way. You may think it's too late to go back to God. But we see that it's never too late to go back to God. You may think you have too big of a mess. But here we see that God still listened to Samson's plea for the water. God still listened to Samson's plea to give back his strength. God still used him despite all of his problems. Don't allow this to keep you from looking to God for his strength to come upon you and to accomplish his will. Cry out and repent. Ask for his help to serve him. You may be broken, but God created you and he can fix you. He can still use you. Don't think that's ever too late. Don't be like Samson and continue to keep going the wrong direction. God can and will still use you if it is his purpose. But let's go beyond that. Let's serve God each and every single day of our lives, not just ourselves. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you today. That despite all of our failures, everything we do against you, you still listen to our pleas. You still listen to our cries out to you. And you still wish to have a relationship with us. You sent your son to die for us as we were reminded today as we took communion. Despite all of our problems, despite we are like your worst enemies, you still sent your son to die for us. And he went all the way to the cross. His blood was spilt to give us life, to give us a new covenant. But you don't stop there. All throughout our life, you continue to answer our pleas, to answer our cries out to you, Lord. It may not always be in the way we desire or the way we think we need. But, Lord, you continue to be with us and to listen to us all of the days of our life. Thank you for never giving up on us and for using us. May we cry out to you each and every single day and repent of our evil Ways and our ways when we're not following your will and your commands, what Scripture tells us we should do with our life. May we start living for you and making pleas to do Your will, your will, your work, each and every single day. And when our will does not match up with your will, may we submit to you. And may we know that our life might not be how we think it needs to be, but you know what we need. And may we continue to serve you no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're going through. We make choices for you. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you very much. Feel free to have fellowship in the fireside room. And in about ten minutes we'll start our new study.